freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hello! Yeah, what a weekend here in Seattle. Mariners lose two out of three after a huge... It's funny, they, they outscore Baltimore for the series, but they end up falling in two of those three games, both of them in the 10th inning, just trying to make sense of this whole weekend, Brock, and a ton of Seahawks to talk about today. I think the Mariners get a little grace, right? You're going to win eight in a row and obviously best record in baseball over the course of the last month plus. I don't think their confidence is shook from losing two out of three. They certainly played with the Orioles, mm-hmm. but it was certainly a bummer to lose. You know, you could kind of handle one of the two losses, but to lose in similar fashion both yeah. nights, yeah. I think was a tough one. Yeah, Felix had to have a little uh, a little chuckle on his face, right? Like unbelievable, especially Saturday when George just dealt and dealt and dealt and dealt. I, you, me, millions of other Mariner fans, were like of course, you know, right. Julio's up in the box celebrating Julio all weekend long. And by Felix, the way. Felix. Excuse me, Felix, in an incredible way. I mean, just you know, the Mariners doing what the Mariners do. Mm-hmm. No, nobody celebrates their stars better than the Seattle Mariners. And Felix is up in that box, and you know it. <laughs> you know that at times, like, man, this George guy is pretty good. He's pretty good. And the offense right now just can't find a way to scratch and claw even one. And Baltimore went all in on Saturday, right? They threw their Felix two innings and went all in. What is with that guy? Dude, he's gigantic. He is absolutely a mammoth human being. I heard Justin got a close up of the Sasquatch. What do you look like? Uh, I I walked out to the bullpen to watch those guys start stretching. I was like, I'm just going to get a look at this, this Felix. And he's doing the big rubber band thing. Felix Bautista, of course. Yes. And I was mouth open (laughs) like. Like sure. just yeah, like an uncomfortably long. So he's six foot man, eight, two seventy five, two eighty, right? Two eighty, two eighty five. So does he look just out of curiosity when you're up close? Does he look more like an NFL tight end, an NFL defensive end, defensive or end an NBA power forward? I was thinking defensive end. Yeah, his legs Shit. are so big, really so powerful. Wow, <laughs> he almost looks like Abe Lucas. <laughs> Yes. If Abe, if Abe <laughs> Lucas were a relief pitcher throwing 102 oh miles an hour, he's got just beyond tree trunks. He is a massive guy. So they go all in on Saturday night. They throw him two innings, and that's where you're thinking yesterday, all right, you know, if this gets to the bullpens, you should have the advantage. And they kind of did. They just unfortunately, I, I thought, did some stuff yesterday they shouldn't have done. I mean, look, credit to Canzone. Obviously, ton of credit goes to Cedric Mullins' you know, robbery catch and hit the home run himself. I mean, he is a really good player. I really like him a lot. But at the end of the day, like you got to walk him in the in the tenth. You got a man on third and one out. Set up a double play. The next guy grounded into a, what would have been a double play. And you got to walk. Was it Rutschman in the ninth with a man with second and third and one out? Why are you allowing that to be a tag play? And oh, by the way, the next guy hit into a double play. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Why, yeah, that's just I, I that must that must be Salk. Their data. You were. Uh, it, it was the same thing Saturday night. It was a, it was a runner third. It was their hottest hitter up Mount Castle or whatever his name is. He did right now. Uh, he's pretty hot right now. And and same deal. Like just put him on. Just put him on. Don't and you know he sneaks a single through there and and it, their data their data must clearly say nope. 
Nope. We, we bring them up and we throw more guys out at home than we would playing them back and playing for the double play. Yeah, I really just don't agree. I, I, I mean, the data can say whatever it wants, and maybe that's on me. I should just shut up and listen to the data. And maybe there's a thousand examples the other way that would be like, Mike, you yep. would have done this, and instead it would have been a three-run game instead of a two. Okay, maybe you're right. But both times before it happened last night, I'm going, all right, walk. what do you mean you're not walking? Walk them. Walk right. them. And then both times it ended up burning him. So that was kind of a bummer. Is Munoz not quite right? Mm. That's just a question. I guess a few questions and things of observations from the weekend. Is Munoz not quite right? Because if he's not right, it makes the Seawald trade sting just a little bit more, right? He gave up big runs in two straight games. He generally just hasn't looked quite as sharp recently as he has. I'm not going to get upset because he gave up a run in the 10th inning. Like, that's kind of what, you know, the game is set up to be. Yep. But I don't know. Just is that is that on the watch list a little bit? Well, it's not one hundred two, one hundred three, as right. it was the year before. Ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. Now he had an outing before this weekend where it was filth and filth, where it was like run on that on his glove side fastball. Remember, where you're like, where is that? And then the slider, and he was untouchable. But yeah, this was playoff environment, man. Yeah. This was big boy stuff. This was the best team in the American League record wise. And these are games with 40 some thousand people night after night after night. So this did you is, come away thinking they're in the same category as Baltimore? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you're the number one pitching team in baseball. Your ERA now, and I know it's not FIP plus or any other cool analytic, but your ERA, your old school team ERA is number one in all of baseball. And that matches your eyes. I mean, the, these guys are just nails time after time after time after time. Like, yeah, this, oh. this starting staff, Brock, has 90s Braves written all over it. It's just. They just keep coming at you. Yes. Right? They, they do dominate the zone. They do throw strikes. They don't walk a lot of people. And they can absolutely dominate a team over the course of three games, which we've seen them do. So, yeah. It so, was, are, yeah. Are they there with Baltimore? Yeah. Yeah, but is it still kind of at times the same bugaboo? And in particular, yep. I think Justin sent this note. It's what I one of the first things I always look to at the box score. Do you score with all that traffic? Because you had way more traffic, right? Saturday and, and even at times yesterday, way more traffic. But one for 15 with runners in scoring position Saturday and Sunday is just against the best team in the American League. Yeah. That's just not going to get it done. The other thing I found myself thinking about this weekend is just what long season baseball is. And I know we've talked about this a lot, but as you're watching and, and the margins between these teams are so small, right? As you saw with Seattle and Baltimore. But then when you see Arizona, who was the best team in baseball at times at the beginning in the first half of this year, lose all of those games in a row. Mm -hmm. And when they lose like nine in a row or whatever, Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh had a hot start and they've gone back to being Pittsburgh. Philly had a terrible start. They've bounced back and now look like the team they were supposed to be and seeing the Mariners bounce back. Like, it just it's got to make us all think about our reactions in baseball. So the legitimate reaction in the moment to be yeah. upset or to be happy or any of it. But we really do all need to remember that that's just a snapshot and not the yeah. whole picture. Yeah. And it's now I mean, it's it's as I was conditioning Titus's football team the other day, straight out of Pete Carroll's book. Yeah. You don't you don't win a game in the first, second or third. Now, you can lose some and they didn't and they put themselves in a position. But now here you go, man. Here's the final 40 plus right here is the the dog days of August. Here's a long road trip against some teams 
that you should get after a little bit. 16 of your next 19, you should get after, yep. but it is a starts long, long with, year. Uh, starts with Kansas City tonight. They head there for a four-game series. All right, uh, let me take a minute here, Brock, and, and I've been talking about this uh, auction throughout the morning and want to get your thoughts on it and, and give the people the information of sort of where we're at. So in an effort and coordination with the Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund, we're hosting this auction until the end of the show this morning, so until 9.55, and uh, basically, it is one package with five or six items. Mm-hmm. So the items of part of a package are three nights in an ocean view condo on Maui in the Kihei area. So not near Lahaina, not where the fires were on South Maui uh, mm-hmm. is where Kihei is. Mutually agreed upon date next year, 2024. So you're, Thank you, you're taking a vacation next year. Thank you. Round trip airfare for two. On Alaska Airlines, again, mutually agreed upon date for next year. $750 towards a car rental that's furnished Mm. by Carter Volkswagen. Mm. $250 restaurant gift card while you're on the island. And a foursome of golf here. Uh, We weren't able to get it done for for the championship course there at the plantation course. But we'll do it here at Chambers Bay. Thanks to Zach and his crew over at Chambers Bay for for donating that. So right now, Brock. Yes. I mean, I got to say that's probably, what, four or $5,000 worth of items don't you think close right now the winning bid is two thousand seven hundred fifty dollars okay come on so we got a little ways to go let's go now we got a little ways to go here in the next three hours you can bid by texting the word bid plus the amount you'd like to bid to 866-979-3776 every dollar will go towards the maui strong fundraiser that we're doing here throughout all of bonneville every dollar goes right to the fire relief Mm. fund so 866-979-3776 text the word bid plus your your winning number the number you're willing to bid and by the way let's go this should be. I mean, let's go. Here I feel we go. like we have some pride on the line here. Here a little we go. Bit, right? Like that's all good. Does our audience come through in this moment? I absolutely believe it will. Yes, they will. All right. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Text the word bid plus your amount to eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. We'll be right back with everything you need to know on Brock and Salt. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, the Mariners had won eight in a row, and then they found two tough ways to lose, both in extra innings the last two nights. First, Felix. It was a Felix game for Felix Knight as they were shut out one nothing. George Kirby filthy goes nine innings of shutout ball, but it wasn't enough as they lose in the 10th. And then yesterday they give up one in the ninth. Then Canzone tied it. Here's a swing and a high drive. Deep to right field by Canzone. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. Off the top of the hitter near Cafe. That was a bomb. 402 feet. Only 48 feet fewer than what Cal Raleigh hit the other night. Shows you just how long that ball really was. But that was a great moment, unfortunately. Cedric Mullins, who had just robbed Ty France of a home run, hit another one himself, and the Orioles go on to win 5-3. Scott explains what they were thinking with the bullpen late. You know, Mooney's out there. He's their guy. Um, you know, if the inning gets away from him, you give up two, three runs, you're not going to leave him out there. That's why Sauce was up. Um, as far as, you know, pockets, you know, after that, whatever, um, Thornton's done a good job. He's thrown the ball well. Uh, you're looking at you know the three batter pocket, um, you know, and, and went with Thornton there with uh, you know Santander Mullins and then Mountcastle coming up. So again, uh, one's a switch hitter, lefty righty, you pick your poison so to speak. They got it done. They got a big hit. Listen to how calm Scott was there. 
That was not long after. I think, was that the biggest volcanic blow-up of Dad on an umpire? Not, not on the opposing team, not on the brawl. He's not pretty anything. mad. Holy smokes, was he mad. And by the way, you take a look at that balk. And was it a balk? You know, in Little League Baseball, that's probably a balk. Yeah, you probably call that because it didn't come to an exact pause. God, it was pretty iffy, though. But it was real iffy in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And it was certainly, and I think what drove him nuts is he knows where that came from. That came from that Baltimore clubhouse. That came from, hey, keep an eye on this. Keep a watch on this. You know, we think he's, there's no question. So I'm sure in his mind. There's also a balk that didn't affect the game at all. The guy's on third base. Like, I get out of here. Yeah, super, just super. A, just a pretty lame call. Mariners, six and a half back still in the division. One and a half back in the wild card there in Kansas City for four games starting tonight. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, it was a weekend fit for a king. Felix Hernandez took his rightful place in the Mariners Hall of Fame where he belongs. Such an interesting story, I think, Felix is. I mean, he just was so, so good, especially in the prime of his career. Never really played on great teams, unfortunately. In fact, he played on a lot of lousy teams and never really did enough for him. But was he ever nasty and at his best, as good as anybody in the league, maybe better certain years than anybody in the league and continued to just want to stay here and be a part of things in Seattle. He mentioned that on Saturday. I would say because I stay, because it was it was fun to watch every five days when Felix pitched. Uh, they give me a lot of excitement, too. So every time I jump over the mound, cross those two lines, and uh, I just do more than 100%, 1,000% from them. Yeah, every he, single game. He just uh, went third person. That's how excited he was about what he had done with the fans while he was here. You know, I think as we get older, uh, Mike Salk and Brock Hewitt, and, and you know, we think, gosh, it's okay to emote. You know, Brock thinks it's okay to cry. Mike thinks it's fine to cry. You know, I'm, I'm going to let it go, and I'll tell you, Brock and Mike, as we get older, certainly appreciate those tears of Felix, man. He was balling. He was balling, and it, it made me think through the years, through the decades, who have been some of the most emotional players of these teams that we love. Emotional meaning he is going to wear it. You know exactly how Felix is going to feel. He, you know, Scott Service would never have to tell him like he's told some of the other guys. Let it go, man. Let it out. Because he wore it all on his sleeve. I think of Gary Payton in this market. Mm. Uh, Detlef Shrimp was certainly one in this market. Billy Joe Hobart was, was a guy that obviously we were close to. And I mean, just some guys that you know exactly where they're coming from. You don't have to wonder what they're thinking. And that was pure Felix on display Saturday night. Yeah, he uh, got especially emotional when Adrian Beltre showed up. Great moment, and uh, congratulations to Felix. Much deserved. Here's the third thing you need to know. So injury report's kind of a wild ride right now for the Seahawks. Ups and downs and pretty much everything in between. We did see Ken Walker and Reek Woolen return. Yep. Ken jumped back out today. He got, uh, got going and, and uh, he'll start picking up some reps now, which is great to see. Also, you saw Tariq got out there for the first time. He felt kind of rusty. I walked off with him talking about it. He was rusty, but uh, he was really happy to be out working with the fellows again. Yeah, uh, Devin Witherspoon, Devin Bush, Timmy, Derek Young, all among those who were not able to go, at least during the team portion of practices, although it was good, as he said, to see Ken Walker back in there a little bit. You know who was getting a lot of press, a lot of pub from B. Carroll after Thursday's game was Kobe Bryant, who had a Mm -hmm. heck of a game at safety. I thought Kobe played really well. Kobe, and if you remember the mock game, Kobe played really well also. He's uh, really getting comfortable playing back on, on the back end. Um, 
He's been really physical, noticeably one of the best hitters out there. And so I'm really pleased to see that, you know, coming from the corner spot and, you know, in the nickel spot. That's uh, that's a good statement he's made. And so he's really serious about, you know, getting getting everything in order. He's one of those guys that could be a little Quandre-esque down the road. Just just a guy that sees the game and process it, this being Kobe Bryant. You know, college corner, then a nickel, and now a little bit of safety. And, man, the more you can do. A lot of things have changed, Salky, in the NFL in my couple decades since I played. But one thing has not, and that is the more you can do, the more valuable you become. And typically, the longer you stick around. And Kobe Bryant off to a, a terrific start. And nice to see Kim Walker. Right, I think last week I speculated or at least thought, man, groins are attached to sportsernia is way too mm-hmm. often in this day and age so excellent to see him and tyreek both getting a little bit of work in over the weekend all right that's everything you need to know we do that quarter past every hour here in the brock and salk show uh, i think if you're going to talk about emotive athletes both doug baldwin and richard sherman would need yes. to be uh, pretty high uh-huh, on that list both yes. both guys played with a little <laughs> bit of emotion i think you could put earl on that list as well you could put mike uh-huh. bennett on that list uh-huh. in fact, there's a lot of guys from that team that probably belong on the highly thinking, emotive list yeah i mean i, I was taking football out oh, of you're it. taking football out of it. Yeah, guys, we can actually see the never face. knew how Doug felt while he was out there. <laughs> it was always very hard to tell. Yes. Uh, all right, Brock, a fundraiser. Let's see. Our auction bid right now, the high bid is at $4,000. Nice. So I would say we've reached, what do they call it? Yeah. The um, market the, value? Huh? The market value. The market value or the uh, like sure. the, the reserve. The reserve price, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. We didn't have a reserve price, but if we did, it would be about $4,000. Yeah, so we've yeah. hit the reserve price. Now, let's see if we can really do something special and raise a lot of money for the people of Maui who've been impacted in Lahaina. It's just seeing the devastation. I got to tell you, the numbers death toll is going to rise, I think, by quite a bit when this is all said and done. I know that right now it's close to 100. I I think it it may be four or five times that Mm -hmm. when it's all said and done, talking to some folks in and around the island and just sort of getting a sense as to how bad things really are going to be. It is going to end up being by far the worst fire disaster in this country in like a century, Mm -hmm. which is really sort of hard to fathom. So we'd really like to raise a lot of money to help people out. Uh, The company Bonneville has already raised over $100,000 as a company, and we We'd really like to add to that by quite a bit. So huge auction item package. It involves a trip for two, basically, to Maui next year and to Kihei, different part of the island. So once everything is sort of cleared up and they're really going to need tourists to come back to that island to help out uh, next year, you got a uh, round trip ticket for two on Alaska. You got uh, $750 for a for a rental car, thanks to Carter Volkswagen. You got a three-night stay at a condo at a mutually agreed-upon date, Ocean View, just north of Kihei. And you can extend that if you'd like as well, if you want to have a longer trip than three days. And uh, foursome at Chambers Bay, thanks to Zach and his crew over there for donating that. And by the way, I'm happy to go play with you if you're playing Chambers Bay. If you oh, want me to be a part oh, of the foursome, oh. I'm happy to put myself in it. If that raises the value, if that lowers the value, mm. I'm happy to mm. not come as well. Mm. And yes, Justin, I'll buy lunch. I will absolutely buy chicken salad all sandwich. Right, all right. Best chicken salad around. You can bid by uh, texting the word bid plus uh, the amount you'd like to bid to 866-979-3776. That is the number. Text the word bid to 866-979-3776. Six, plus the amount over $4,000, because that's where we're at right now. Uh, we'll come back here with Max Unger, a surprise guest, actually oh, a guy Hawaii. with quite a connection to the islands. Uh, we will talk to Max, great Seahawk and Hawaii resident, next.
This hour of the Brock and Salk Show is powered by Star Rentals, preferred supplier to the West's best contractors. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, Brock, uh, we're making some progress here. High bid right now is $6,000 for this package. Pretty amazing. Thank you to the 360. You are the high bid right now at $6,000. And we'll see where that goes over the course of the next two and a half hours. Bidding ends at 9.55 this morning. So you have until then to bid on this incredible package uh, as we try to raise money today for uh, what's gone on in Lahaina, specifically Maui in general and, and the Hawaiian Islands. A perfect person for us to talk to, Brock, both about football and also about uh, the magical beauty of that area of the world. Former Seahawks center Max Unger, who we've not talked to in forever. Max, thanks for being with us. How are you? What's up, guys? It's been a while. It has been, but it's good to hear your voice. Where are you these days? So I uh, I live on the Big Island now. I uh, I moved home um, right after I retired, uh, kind of where I grew up. And so, uh, yeah, we've been here for uh, four years so far. Oh, cool. Well, I definitely want to talk to you about football and your life and stuff. But let's start with, uh, with Maui and with Lahaina and what's happened over the course of the last week or so. What, you know, how well do you know that part of uh, Hawaii? How well do you know that area? And, and just your thoughts on seeing the devastation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's hard to read the articles and like follow it kind of blow by blow as uh, stuff gets um, like more and more information comes out just because it's just so unthinkable, right? Um, I know that area pretty well. Um, I, have, I haven't spent a lot of time there, but, you know, I know a handful of people who either have houses there, live there, or, you know, I've played with. Um, and uh, it, it's pretty hard to wrap your mind around, um, you know, just, you know, be, spending a little bit of time there and driving through there, realizing that it's, it's you know, for the most part, completely gone. Uh, just, it doesn't compute with me. Um, you know, I've seen the pictures, I've heard the stories and, uh, it's, it's just, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really have the, uh, the words to describe the, uh, I guess the sadness that's kind of over the state right now. So you go from Hawaii to Eugene to Seattle to New Orleans and back to the islands. Why did the islands draw you home? Oh man, this is home. Um, so we've been here, you know, for, for a while, you know, both sides of my family are are from the big Island. Um, most of my aunts and uncles, you know, all live out here. And so it's, uh, I don't know, it's the best place to raise kids. I mean, all my friends and and family live out here. So, uh, it's, uh, it's just kind of my community. Um, and, uh, there really wasn't even a question. We looked around for a little bit, um, as to where, you know, I wanted to live, live, you know, after we're done playing football and it, it wasn't even really a hard choice. So it's, uh, it's been awesome, man. I have my kids in school here, and, and we just kind of live our lives. Max Unger here with us, man. It's so great to hear your voice. I shot you a text yesterday. It was actually the great Matt Stretch Johnson that helped me reconnect with you because Matt filled yeah. in on this show a couple weeks ago. Max, and you wouldn't believe it. He ranked his top five Seahawks, and you, my friend, were number one on his list. He just absolutely. That's, that's my guy, though. That's, that's cheating. He can't. <laughs> well, I knew where to go to, man. I've learned, you know, you got to get to the right sources, and I knew where to get to. And you know this, too, having played, as you said it, or I, I said to you, at Oregon and, and on the West Coast. I know, Max, I think of so many of my Hawaiian teammates through the years, right? In, at the University of Washington, especially, we recruited uh, the islands big time. And, man, there was so much pride. Everybody's got pride where they come from. Salk's proud of the Northeast like Mora, and Justin's proud of Libby, Montana. I'm proud of Puyallup. But there's just something different about the pride, the Hawaiian 
pride that teammates had coming from there. Can you try to express, is, I mean, you've done it wonderfully. Can you just take one more, one more swing at it as to why there is so much Island pride? Yeah, I think it's just like the, honestly, it's like the isolation that you have out here. I mean, there's just like geographically, there's, you know, the, however many miles, you know, from here to the West coast or, you know, here to anywhere else. It's just, uh, it's a really isolated place. And so I think, you know, there's, there's just like a lot of reliance on uh, your neighbors. Like you can't, there's, there's not a, usually not a store that you can go get exactly what you need um, there. And I, and, and the, there's just like a level of, I don't know, community that you have to have um, just when you're, when there's, there's, there's not the resources that are normally available um, to you at bigger, bigger cities and places. And for me, I think that that really kind of resonates when you leave here. I think it creates a certain type of person and um, it, it's kind of reflected, I guess, with your teammates that you saw, um, you know, at UW and, and the guys that you played with that have come from from Hawaii and um I don't know it it you know all the guys I played with my teammates like from the state here I mean they're all it is a certain type of guy and um and it's it's awesome man it's like it, it's a calling card you know I've heard that from other coaches before so what's well, interesting well one of the challenges with that isolation that you mentioned Max is is now when you have a a, a huge problem and a huge need traumatic event and now the need to get people there it becomes more and more difficult to do it which is why you know I think it's it's so important and why we're trying to raise money uh, through the station and through all of our, our company here at Bonneville just to remind people and then we're gonna ask you some Seahawks questions as well some football stuff but uh, we are uh, we are auctioning off an item today so it's a whole package it is uh, current bid is six thousand dollars for a three night stay at a condo in Kihei. This is for next year, two thousand twenty four. Once uh, things have calmed down a little bit, and they're absolutely going to need some of the tourism back on that island, which is very much dependent on it. So Kihei, different part of the island that's on the south side of the island, as opposed to the west side. Three nights, ocean view condo, round trip airfare for two on Alaska Airlines, seven hundred fifty dollars towards a rental car, thanks to Carter Volkswagen, two hundred fifty dollar restaurant gift card and a round uh, for four at Chambers Bay Golf Course here in University Place. So all of that, you can text the word BID plus the amount you'd like to bid to 866-979-3776. High bid right now is $6,000, and I think it's going to keep going up before we get to 955 this morning, which will be the end of the bidding. Um, Max, let's, uh, let's talk a little football since we have you, and we're going to do quite a bit of that today. Think back on your time here and and with the offensive line that you had when it was at its best. What was this offensive line like? Oh man, good good question. No, I mean you know these are these are my guys, right? I mean you know we, we still keep in touch. I mean uh, the the stretch we had there, um, it was incredible, and it was it was some of the, some of my best memories. The the the, the question was, what, sorry, repeat the, the end of the question. What was the what offensive was the line what was like? like the, yeah, what were you guys like at your best? Yeah, you know, I guess I could sum that up, man. I mean, my, like, marker for offensive lines is, like, how they cover down the field, right, and how they push the pile when the running back gets stood up and he's not down, right? And I thought that we did a good, like, as far as O-lines I've played with, we did it as good as any as I've ever seen, right? Because, you know, if the expectation is, you know, full – you know, the expectation in the NFL is full exertion at all times and no MAs, right? And so what's like the next level to that? And to me, it was always that for, for playing O-line, right? Pushing the pile and covering downfield when the ball's thrown. And I think that we were able to do that to a very, very high level, right? And uh, that honestly is my biggest takeaway. 
Do you still chuckle? I know you're on the big island, and, and I don't know what time it is with kickoff and anything else, but if you do tune into a Seahawks game, do you still chuckle at the guy running up and down the sidelines with his 1970 sneakers, right, 72 this fall, but still 14 years here, Max, and still doing it the same way, still preaching that the physical air, The presence. Air Monarchs? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's still rocking. Well, he's got them big bunions, yeah, so he's got to wear the Monarchs, you know, to handle all that. But he's That's he's right. still doing wind sprints at practice. He's still doing gassers. He's still all involved. But when you watch this team, do you still get a little smirk on your face going, man, they are building it the same way they built it back in 2010 when you were there? Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the truth, though. Uh, Pete's still out there chewing about seven packs of Bubblicious and uh, sprinting up and down the sidelines. Man, that's pretty cool. I didn't know he was 70. He's, you said 72? Almost. 72 this fall. Yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, it, it, it seems like they're, they're still doing this, they're still doing their same thing out there, man. I mean, yep. I haven't I haven't watched a ton of, um, you know, the Seahawks games these last couple of years, but just from reading the headlines, I mean, it seems like they're doing the same thing. I mean, they're highly competitive and, and doing the same deal. I mean, that Pete's going to have a team ready to compete, and that's just kind of been his MO for, like you said, 14 years. How about when the pendulum swung from Pete Carroll to Sean Payton? <laughs> and you get traded from everything on the West Coast down to New Orleans, Louisiana. What was that like? You know, it was actually – it worked out really well for me, like career-wise. Like, you know, I didn't want to get tra- – obviously, I didn't want to get traded. You know, this, was, this wasn't like I requested it or something. I got, you know, I totally hit out of the blue. But um, as far as teams to get traded to, I mean, it was probably the best situation for me. Um, we had a great, you know, great coach. We had, obviously, Drew Brees down there. And we had just like a really good – I mean, organization that I uh, that I got to go play with, um, but Sean and Pete, I mean, are pretty far apart on the old coaching spectrum. Uh, <laughs> that is true, um, but it, but you know, it, it was good. I mean, the NFL is a crazy business, right? I mean, like regardless of where you are, you you still have the same goals, you know, personally and, and for your team, and so you just kind of keep the keep the train going. Yeah, it'll be uh, we, Sean Payton's about to become a relevant figure in Seattle. As as we now have two teams here, we have the Seattle Seahawks and the Broncos. We follow both uh, on like a daily basis. I can't really figure out why. It might, yeah. might have something to do with the quarterback there, but yeah, we uh, we sort of have two teams to talk about now. Um, Hey, listen, I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. I'm I got a lot, there's a lot of crossover on that team for I think a lot of people at this point. So I understand what you're talking about. Last uh, last thing here, I won't I won't ask you to comment on that. We've gotten enough from everybody on those teams over the years to sort of have a sense as to what the heck was really going on behind the scenes. Unless gotcha. there's, unless there's something you'd gotcha. like to say, obviously we'll we'll leave the door no, open. No, 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 I'm good. Yeah, I I'm figured. Good. Yeah. Can I ask you though about something you did that had to be a unique experience in your life? What was it like thinking back on it now? Blocking and being in a huddle with Marshawn. Blocking four and being in a huddle with Marshawn Lynch. Did you know you know you know that man well enough? This this is like the, he's one of the greatest teammates of all time, right? I mean, I don't know. He is he is the most unique person and greatest teammate I think I've I've ever played with. I mean, this this dude was just on a completely different level. I think not necessarily the huddle. I think it's like just the day to day interactions. You never know. You just had no idea what was going to come out of this guy's mouth. Mm. I mean, <laughs> that's just a fact. But, um, you know, blocking for him, I mean, that whole team, I mean, to put together a roster, um, you know, to go win a Super Bowl, I mean, there has to be no weak spots, you know, that you have. And then to see, you know, the all-pro caliber, you know, that we got the block for, 
Um, it's just, it was cool, man. It was a heck of a time uh, to play football for the Seahawks. Why, why was man. he such I mean, a great I, teammate? What What is it about Marshawn that made him such a great teammate? He was friends with everybody. You know, he could relate. He could sit down in any corner of the locker room and have, you know, a genuine conversation with anybody at any time about anything. And it was, it was real. Right. Um, and Marshawn's also a genius, right? You guys know this. He has like the whole world fooled. And with like, you know, him not talking to the meat, the press and stuff for a while, he kind of, it was like a business model for him. I mean, he was like a, he was like a genius just like socially. And, and he had like this, you know, this personality that he built. Um, that was just, that was him. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, it does. That's how, that's how I thought. Makes a ton of sense. My last thing here for you, Max. You won a Super Bowl with a team that ran it first. It's just kind of that mindset, that identity with Marshawn and Brano and the rest of you and Russ and all of them. Could throw it still a little bit. And then you won a Super Bowl with a team that could throw it first um, with Drew and everything else. Certainly certainly could run it a little bit. Are you around that system that, that threw it first and ran it second? If you were to install your own system on the big island there, if you become the head coach of, uh, of Kona High School and you're putting in a system to be a run-first team and pound the ball – or a little more of the throw finesse first. What are you doing? You read my mind, dude. I am coaching at my alma mater, Hawaii Preparatory Academy, and I'm doing the exact thing that you just said. It's a blend of the both both of the offenses. Wow. It's a, no, it's uh, what am I doing? I, you know, it's you. It's hard to have both, right? So yep. you have we ran like the full blown what like the wide zone offense. It was what I called it. You know, it's 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 you, it's hard to just dial up wide zone and yep. you know gain three yards right and then go and have like a vertical passing attack. It's all kind of one package, right? The offense we ran was it, uh, everything was predicated on you know play action pass, running the ball, um, so on and so forth. It, and so when you go down to New Orleans, it was more of you know the traditional pro style offense. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard to have both. It's hard to do both, right? So you what are you doing, Max? You hang your hat on one. Time. What are you doing? Hang your hat on one. What are we doing? I don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback uh, at my high school right now. Okay. All right. So we're running the ball. Interesting. There you go. That's a good good choice. Well, not bad uh, for an art major from Oregon uh, who uh, who people here, uh, you have to understand, Max, all the time, people point to that trade and that moment when you left as being one of the real seminal, unfortunate moments in uh, the run that Pete and John have had here and probably one that I think they would like to do over and have you back because uh, things were never quite the same afterwards. So thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for, for sharing your, your view on what's happening right now in Lahaina and just on football in general. We should do this again. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Hey, thanks again. Thanks again for putting this auction on. I think that uh, everybody in the state really appreciates, appreciates, appreciates any help that, uh, that you guys can give. So thank you again. Well, we appreciate you. Thank there you, you go. There's Max Unger, former Seahawks center and all around great dude. Uh, not surprised that he's coaching. He feels see, just listening to him talk about the personalities and the people and what it means. It seems like uh, I won't be surprised if he's pretty darn successful in that part of his life as well. All right. Uh, we'll talk more about him a little bit later. How about some blue 88? This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saw. Question number one for you, Brock. We're about two weeks into Seahawks camp now. What is the one position? He said, Max just said, you got to have every position in pretty good shape. No holes on your team. Yeah. Where's the big hole? Linebacker. 
You can talk about interior defensive line all you want, but you at least have Dre and Jaron and and you know some other young pups that are active and doing things, and there's still a need there. I mean, I think that is still an area you would love to address, Salk. But Devin Bush out yesterday, a little swelling on the knee. Got to minimize that downplay that. But anytime you have a guy coming off of significant knee injury in his life and you get some swelling in there, not 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 great. So probably have to manage some of that. Bobby, you're going to manage snaps, rightfully so, as a 10-year veteran and Hall of Fame guy. Behind that, what do you got? Uh, M- M- Mr. Radigan was out. Uh, he was banged up as well. I think an elbow like Olu, so he may not play this week. And, and when he did, Salk, he had a PFF grade of 26 the other night. It was it was a tough yeah. yeah, it was a tough watch. A lot of missed tackles, not really NFL kind of speed that you need at that position. A little more thump than Cody Barton, but can't get to people like Cody at least could. So what do you what do you have? Are Nick Ballore going to be running the ones this week? And probably your starting linebacker. And I love Nick Ballore, but that's that's not a that that's it's not a, a bit sustainable of a, situation. Yeah, that's that's just depth wise, right? And Jamal will eventually come back, and you'll manage Devin and Bobby's there. So so those yeah those things are great, and Brooks will eventually come back. So it's not as if the cupboard is empty. The cupboard just is. Either a little older, need to be taken care of, or coming off significant injury. And that's the the one little watch as well with that interior defensive line. All right, question number two. Brock, we had a listener right at the start of training camp who just nailed it with his training camp prognostication. What was it? What does it mean? You remember it? I think it was the first day of training camp. You like to think think of the answers to these questions. Of course I It was a text that came in and said, you know exactly what's going to happen. Devin Witherspoon's going to miss these first three days of camp. He's going to crank it up to 100, and he's going to pull a hamstring or a groin. I mean, that, that texture just absolutely nailed it. And, yeah, I mean, did he miss in those first three days? Was that an end-all, be-all? Did it kill him? Did it lead to this hamstring? Impossible. What is your Latin term you like to say about causation? There you go, Propter Hawk. Yeah, so I'm going to drop that. Actually, you just did. But there's no question that he then had to ramp it all the way back up. And he was one of the most intense dudes on that field. Hitting everything in sight, playing as hard as he possibly could, trying to make up a little ground, and boom. A different part of the hamstring, but that hamstring that they were careful about in the offseason, that too is, at least there's significant depth at that position. Mm-hmm. But you know well, he, he is steaming on that side. first round pick, and oh, by the he's way. He's your number five pick. You know who's He's the had, highest pick in the history of Pete and John. You know who had a really, really, really nice start? Jalen Carter. I didn't even watch. Jalen Carter looked pretty good. Question number three. Question number three. Uh, I know you were watching a bunch of preseason games though, around the league. What are you seeing? Yeah, you see teams. We, we talked about this the, what, Friday? You called Thursday night one of your favorite Seahawks games, not because of production games, necessarily. Pre- yeah. Yes, let's be yeah. clear. Uh, preseason games. Seahawks preseason games. It wasn't like my favorite game I've ever seen. No, that'd be the Super Bowl. No, that'd be the Super Bowl. Sure. Um, and you said that because, man, they were just flying. And you see the programs around the league that just have that established culture. I mean, you just you just watch the teams that are they're trying to find it still versus those that are, are established, and it, and it looks different. On top of that, the young QBs, save for DTR, had a, had a pretty pretty rough go of it around the league. CJ and Anthony and uh, and Bryce had a, their first little like welcome. Hey man, it's mm. been fun. All this hype around me, I've been throwing, spinning it great in shorts and this NFL man it ain't that hard. I know it's faster, but I'm out here in training camp. Training camp in the NFL is not nearly as hard as Derek said. Is what training camps are in college. And then you get your first preseason game, and you get hit, and you get hit, and the pocket's collapsing, and it's going so fast. Yep. Things are flying around you. So 
no surprise to see a lot of struggle out of the young rookie QBs. Interesting. All right, there you go. That is uh, today's Blue 88. Fun to talk to Max Unger. And, uh, you know, what he what he says there about the area in Lahaina is is really important. I, I got a text here that I want you to I want to read to you, Brock, because I think it it is part of the, what is look. Not everyone has been to Maui. Not everybody knows the areas, et cetera. And we got this text in here that just kind of wanted us to you know help people understand what area that is and what it looks like in that in that spot this mm-hmm. is not vacation condos and rich retirees at all it's a 200 year old buildings yeah 200 year old think about that 200 year old buildings in many of those places kind of the cultural center of the island right Wailea down there where we honeymoon absolutely stunningly beautiful golf resorts everything else kihei where the condo is kind of a you know just every man place and certainly a beautiful area as well let me read this from the 509 please stress the fact that most of those burned down homes were owned by locals not mainland retirees not vacation homes working class people who've now lost everything this is not the resort area to the north of them or to the south desperate people with not a huge amount of money to fall back on that is who you are helping out by donating Mm -hmm. or in this case uh with the auction now by the way if if you if six thousand dollars plus is too rich for your blood which i completely understand uh you you can uh, plenty of ways to help and donate, and you can find all of that at seattlesports.com through the fire relief fund that we've set up there through Bonneville, which is our, our parent company. But if you would like to bid, uh, we have an awesome package for next year. Right now, the high bid is $6,000. We're talking about three nights uh, at an Ocean View condo in the Kihei area, which is more of the resort area, mutually agreed upon date for next year. And then round-trip airfare for two on Alaska, $750 towards a rental car furnished by Carter Volkswagen. Thank you to them for helping out. They were immediately interested in helping however they could. Same with Alaska. Same with Chambers Bay. Uh, We weren't able to get anything done with uh, any of the courses on Maui because obviously they got bigger fish to fry right now. But um, foursome of golf at Chambers Bay, thanks to Zach and his crew over there. And, Brock, I've graciously, graciously agreed to play with anybody who purchases this, if you want me. Happy to do it if you want me. Again, I'll buy lunch. Just saying I'm happy to come play Chambers with you. And a $250 restaurant gift card on the island as well. So this is all for next year. Total value of that package, I don't know, it's got to be at least four or $5,000. Right now, the winning bid is at 6000 but we've got two hours to go until 9.55 when bidding ends. So please text the word BID to 866-979-3776 along with the number that you would like to bid, the amount, 866-979-3776. We're at 6000 right now, and I would really like to see that number skyrocket over the course of the next two hours. So come right back. We are on to number 10, the top 10 of of our most intriguing mm. list, Brock. Mm. It's going to be a full hour of football talk coming up next on Brock and Salk.